Hello, welcome to another edition of Aussie Tells All, the Northwest Sports Podcast. Uh, today is a different story. Today, I have my friend Ben on today to talk about um, serial killers and murder. Welcome aboard, Ben. Ah, hello. Hi, Ozzy. Thank you. Hello, hello. Welcome. I see you last night at the comedy show. It was a good show. It was a good show. <laughs> Jay Moore, he killed it, didn't he? I thought so. I was very entertained for uh, for the full was it ninety minutes. It ran long. That was uh, ninety minutes. Yeah. I was so late for work that I just I had to I had to call in, which <laughs> makes it even, makes it even better. Makes it so much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well. And I was a little sick too. Than we're used to. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, today we're going to have a little different podcast than we're, we're used to. Um, well, let's just dive right into it here. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, is uh, when did you first get into true crime and serial killers and murder? Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't remember, don't remember exactly, but I do remember the first time I, I heard about the, the one I'm going to be talking about today, which is... Ed Gein, and it was, uh, it was uh, I got a book from the library about the movie Psycho, about the making of the movie Psycho, and of course the, the first chapter of the book was the inspiration for the book that inspired the film, Alpha Hitchcock's Psycho, and the book by Robert Watch. I should have figured out how to pronounce his name right well in the, in the course of my research for this, but... Uh, but uh, Robert sure. Block will say, uh, yeah, wrote the book Psycho, and the Norman Bates character has uh, similarities to Ed Gein. And it was very vivid, Absolutely. the description. It's pretty much the same thing that I've been uh, reading over and over again, uh, attempting to, to research this here, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a... He's a... He's definitely a dark spirit, or was a dark spirit, for sure. Um, he, he, uh, for he, for uh, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he's been been dead since uh, 1994, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's been a while then, yeah. It's been a while. Now, oh. for me, though, um, oh, 84. I got oh. to a late... 80, oh, 80, 84. Uh, I was only two years old. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, for me, I got to, off to a late start um, with my love of true crime and serial killer and murder. Um, I only got into it, like, just recently, like the last five or six years, because I got into it with the serial podcast, and that was fantastic. And then I turned into more true murder podcasts and more cold cases than I got really into it. So now I'm just trying to catch up on, catch up on everything that I – want to see movie wise, documentary wise. So I, I'm, I'm like new to the game, but uh, I'm getting, I'm pretty into it right now. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to uh, my favorite murder. Those, those girls are funny. Oh. Yeah. George and uh, Karen are fantastic. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a riot. They're funny too. Um, but um, let me ask you this here. Uh, what characteristics makes a serial, like a really, good serial killer? Well, uh, I assume we're using uh, good contextually to mean uh, 
uh, interesting. Like a master, uh, yeah, mastermind, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Well, let's see. Uh, um, well, what I think what they're going for in the shows these days is uh, is a variety because they, they kind of they, they played out just about every trope they can to death. So, uh, kind of kind of what I'm going to be talking about today with the Ed Yin thing is uh, just uh, making really elaborate uh, displays uh, of uh, body parts. I guess what they've been doing in the the Hannibal series a lot, and that all yeah. kind of came from Ed Yin. I mean, I don't think he was the first person to ever never think of doing that, but probably one of the most uh, successful at it. Yep. So, yeah, just a big uh, big now, couple of, of, uh, of uh, human remains. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think uh, more in depth my, myself, I think you have to go back to your early childhood where you have a, a, a bad family life at home, Maybe you get abused, or your or, or your dad leaves, um, or you're or you're or, or you're you know or abused by your family, and then you have a rough life, and then you want to rebel in your later years, and you then you start with small stuff, start with um, theft, you start with robbery maybe, and then you progress into more more high level crimes like uh, murder. Well, that's probably the highest you can get probably is murder, um, and then. You, the crazy guys out there, like the sick guys out there, or ladies out there, well, prey on kids. That's even even worse. But um, I think that's also you have to be crazy in the mind, and also have to just have a bad life before you, you know, get started. Also, your thoughts? Oh that? yeah, childhood childhood sexual abuse is uh, definitely one of the most common things. Yeah. Yep, I've seen it all for sure. Um, now, we talked about this earlier, so we'll just get past this one really quick here. Um, we've all had evil thoughts time to time, but have you ever had a, a like a like a high level thought of like you want to go out there and kill somebody one day? I haven't, but, but. no, I really haven't. I I really adore uh, violent uh, revenge fantasies, but uh, I don't really have any yeah. in real life. I mean, even people I really really dislike. Uh, doesn't seem yeah. like it would really solve any of my problems to, to kill them. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have the caveat that. Yeah, if I found out that they like were eaten by a bear just randomly, I would, you know, yeah. I would be very amused by that, for sure. and I'd be all for it. Yeah. But couldn't actually have anything <laughs> to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now. Who are some of your of your favorite murderers and serial killers of, um, up to date? Uh, let's see. Well, I I wouldn't say any. Of the, well, I guess uh, as far as uh, favorites, I guess Ed Yin would be one specifically because he. Yeah. Uh, the ones that I would say are my favorites are all fictional ones. It's just kind of that's kind of where my my interest came from. Uh, Originally, uh-huh. just uh, just uh, noticed that a lot of my favorite movies and TV shows kind of revolved around serial killers. So, let's see, uh, Hannah Lecter, of course, and uh, all the yeah. all the serial killers in the the Thomas Harris Hannah Lecter books. Well, <laughs> those are all favorites yeah. to me. Nice. Yeah, the first. Nice the first for me. Yeah. Nice for me. It's. Uh, 
Ted Bundy, um, number one on my list. He's like, he's from Seattle, and even though he, he's a very bad guy, but he had a plan and he stuck to it, and uh, he denied it. He denied it all the way through till his death. So, more power to that guy. Um, also, I also liked um, the killer. Um, actually, um, I forget his name, but he was the vampire killer, um, Vissadorf where um, way back in the 1800s where he had a castle um, in the in London where he would kill every, kill his victims, like his wife, his kids, like his neighbors and his friends, people that he, he saw, and then hide him, hide him in his dungeon and then burn him up and stuff. And then finally um, he got caught because second wife, because um, Ed Ginn, or not Ed Ginn, but th- this guy, um, said the wife said, "Don't kill me. I won't tell anyone." He's like, "Okay, okay, blah blah." So he, he left. He left the country or whatever, and then mm-hmm. he went to the cops and they found him. So <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's she's lucky. Yeah, but yeah, he got he got chopped off. But uh, um, those are my guys so far. The, now, the vampire. Like, you the, the, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's the one. Pretty sure. I, I, I or one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. PV ten. I just um I'm all I'm all over the internet here. So uh looks yeah. like yeah, German. So anyway. Yeah, it might be him or yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, there's one of them in the UK too though, but I think that's one of them though, yeah, definitely. He's definitely one of them on my list. Now, um, do you think that violent video games, T V shows, movies, etc would it give someone any ideas of going out on a killing spree? Uh, no, I think that's been uh, I think that's been disproven about to the extent that uh, a thing can be disproven because uh, let's see, ever since mm-hmm. ever since whenever Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out, uh, the the entire point of the multiplayer in all those games is literally to go on a killing killing spree to get commit as many murders as you can before being murdered yourself in kind, and that's the yeah. whole point of the game. And yet, it has not really, I mean, we still got plenty of um, mass murderers and all, but uh, they're not they're not inspired by Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah so you just think it's just for fun, and kids don't have an idea of going out to do it themselves. They just want, it's for their own entertainment-wise, purposes-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was always that yeah, was a I, I pretty agree. silly idea back in the nineties when they had they tried to revisit it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they will again at least yeah. once once or twice though. For sure. Um now if you if I put you in the mind of a of a killer, um what are you thinking? Like walking through a process of po- actually that's gonna have you here's what I'll do. Um Let's say you're a serial killer. I mean, I'm in his mind. What I'm thinking right now is like, if I was like a sick motherfucker, I might, I might just uh, go to a park, you know, during the day, and then when, then when, let's say the parents aren't watching, I'll offer the kid some candy or whatever, go to my van, and then probably go off, and then you know whatever go, goes next go happens. So that's just my. What would your opinion be if you were like, like if you're in the mind of a street, What would your plan be? Well, I definitely wouldn't go with the, the van and the candy. That's very, 
it's very cliche. I feel like even yeah. even the the youngest of children yeah. would, would be would catch on to that. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, Ted Bundy's uh, just uh, appearing vulnerable thing and asking asking people for mm-hmm. help. That's probably the the best way to go. Yeah. I don't know. For for me personally, because I'm a, a very tall, large person, uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I I think I would have to come up with something different, just because uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, I'd be too physically yeah. imposing, probably, to for for that to work for true. me. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, what I would do is uh, probably yeah. okay or not. Okay, I just thought of this now. Honestly, never thought about any of this before, but I do the with the the guy in the the great serial killer movie The Cell did, which is use use a dog to elicit sympathy from uh, oh. from the uh, probably female potential victim. It's like, oh, you hit my dog with the oh, now I have the uh, what's, what's what's the knockout stuff called? Mm. Um, I'm not sure, yeah. Nice. <laughs> you put it on a little Ether. rag and you put it over the That's mouth and uh, let's see. Ether? Uh-oh. No. Close. Close enough. All right. It's all right. I'll, yeah. I'll figure it out when the time comes. No problem. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see here. Uh, murder is bad. Serial killers are pretty smart. They get away with a lot of killing until eventually getting caught. Do you agree with that? Uh. Some of them are smart. Some of them are just uh, lucky, and some of them are. Uh, some of it's just the cops are in, incredibly incompetent. Like uh, yeah. let's see, uh, Ed Gein here got away with a, a murder for like three years, even though I mean, <laughs> the list of suspects had to be pretty pretty small. He lived in a town of seven hundred people, but uh, he got away with it for yeah. three years, and uh, no one. No one put the finger on him until he just uh, happened to get caught for an, a different murder. But Ted Bundy was a uh, very yeah. close. Probably one of the things that makes him so interesting is uh he was uh, very smart and also absurdly charming. Him and H. H. Holmes in uh, in ways that I can't yeah. even really fully comprehend. I don't I don't really that's, know that's, how that's that's to talk was, to him stuff like that. That's yeah, that's that's what I meant to say. H H Holmes, yeah, I talked about earlier in, from London. Oh no, he was American. Was oh, he was, he's American as apple pie. Um, he's from Chicago. Oh, was he? Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's very right. American. Okay. I mean, oh, arguably well, the well, first anyway. big yeah. American serial killer. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, Scorsese is going to make a movie about him with. Leonardo DiCaprio. I read that somewhere. I don't know if that's going to be yeah. true or not. That'll be quite something. Yeah, I thought. I thought that'd be awesome. I love Billy, I love Leo, and I think that'd be fantastic. It would be. It would be pretty trendy. gruesome. Maybe too gruesome. Yeah. Oh. Whew. Yeah. I just thought of it. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, now, as far as do you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Go, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You finish your thought there. That's fine. Oh well, yeah. As far as this, most serial killers being uh, smart, uh, I don't know about that. I think uh, you know, I think average to below average intelligence. I think I don't think they're particularly smart. 
So there's I a mean, few standing. Being smart. Yeah, I mean, being like book smart is one thing, but like being a murder smart is like getting, doing it over and over again, getting away with it for many years or months. I mean, that's pretty calculated, calculated on their part not to get caught for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like the Zodiac Killer, they really they they revel in that stuff. They they love it. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, he smeared his face. He like smeared it in their in their face with putting a letter here and there. Never got caught, pretty much. So they don't, well, they don't think they, they never got caught. So, mm-hmm. um, on the record, anyway. Um, do you listen to murder podcasts? Watch murder shows, documentaries? Just something I just came up with. Oh, sorry, that's not, I don't say that. But do you listen to uh, murder podcasts? Watch murder shows or, or documentaries or TV, or TV shows? As of as of late, uh, mm, I don't really listen to any murder podcasts. I've listened to a few of the my favorite murders. I, I thought those were re- very entertaining. Yeah. But it's, uh, I still mm-hmm. I watch a fair number of of uh, movies and TV shows. So I haven't. Let's see. Uh, besides the the show Hannibal, I, I wouldn't say I've seen anything that stands out lately. Yeah, and Hannibal yeah. was uh, Hannibal ended a few years ago. Oh yeah, I actually haven't seen that myself. Also, also have I have not seen the Sons of the Lambs either. Actually, you haven't seen Wishbone. But going, but but I want. I haven't seen I haven't seen um, Hannibal. I I haven't seen Sons of the Lambs. I haven't seen it, a lot of this stuff. I want to though. Well, I think yeah, I, I think Sons of the Lambs is. Is one of the most essential essential ones. Just the movies in general, yeah. but also, but definitely serial killer films. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for me, um, I definitely listen to several um, murder podcasts. I listen to Murder, Up and Banished, Sworn, Serial Killers, Lock of in America, I mean, Abroad, Serial. Colts, the new one actually came out. Colts, the one came out just like last week. Um, they're the same people that actually um, host serial killers. It's really good. Uh, so a few others are on the list as well, but those are the ones I listen to. And also, um, I really enjoy documentaries also. I talked about it this last time about uh, HBO Docs I've seen. They're pretty good. Um, but Matt Green, though, yeah, we wanted to ask you some actually. So he wants to know. Um, what are maybe your favorite real like favorite um, movies, serial killer movies that were that from based on based on based on real people of all time? Okay, so based on real people, so that would be basically not Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Well, okay, you can say yeah. Well, we'll do it later. Silence of the Lambs is semi based on a real person, but uh, but that are uh, let's see. Uh, uh, like seven is not based on a real uh, person of Zodiac. I really like the act. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Porter, a serial killer, is a really good one. The mm-hmm. very nasty dream movie. And let's see, let's see based on. I wanted to come up with three, but I, I got two there, and uh, well. Uh, Summer of Sam was uh, Summer of Sam was 
pretty good. That's a Spike Lee movie okay. from a while back. Let's see. It's just, I'm just trying to think of ones yeah. that are definitely based on real serial killer cases. Uh, yeah, those three are good. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's from our Sam, huh? Okay. Check that one out. Myself as well. Now, um, what do you make of serial killers um, keeping, quote, trophies of their victims AKA bones or hair or something personal and keep it to keep it for, for their own collection. Honestly, that just seems like a totally normal thing to do. I mean, we all generally keep some kind of collectibles. Like uh, if we go on a vacation, we get a, we buy a, a thing from a place and then we got like a magnet for the fridge that says New Mexico or Disneyland or whatever on it. So, you know, same thing with yeah. serial killer. And a big, big, big part of the thing is uh, fantasy and recreating the fantasy in the moment. So they want to have some kind of physical talisman to do that with. Yeah, because uh, on Dexter, um, he, he kept the blood. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he called it, but you know what I'm talking about. He yeah, has the blood scale yeah. things from his lab. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very unwise for serial killers to do that. They have uh, extra reason. They have a pretty, pretty big reason not to keep mementos, but but they do it anyway because people like mementos. Yeah, absolutely. Got two more things before we get get into the uh, murders here. Um, what do you make of killers who go after children? Are they mentally unstable, or are they just dark and sick, or possibly both? Uh, um, both. And, uh, as far as going out after children versus going after adults, uh, it just, just depends how they're wild, how, how they're, uh, wired. They're wired as yeah. pedophiles or wired as people. I mean, some people go after the elderly, which is also seems really sick and strange to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all yeah, pretty. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Pretty, pretty odd but uh mm-hmm. yeah just how they're wired bad chemical oh yeah for sure and here um do you believe in death penalty or life without parole for um or life without parole for someone that does uh these bad crimes uh well I definitely believe in the death penalty, but I don't necessarily believe in the justice system like the one we have now. I don't don't necessarily believe our justice system would be able to uh, administer it uh, correctly or fairly just because it's uh, made up of uh, a people and, you know, they screw things up like everyone does. But in theory, uh, I mean, sure. Uh, I don't even don't even really exactly understand the question. I mean, like, because generally, I mean, like, as far as, let's, say, let's, let's just say, just say, a murder, one guy mur- murdered a family. Let's say, murdered a mass murder, mass murderer. Do you believe he should die for his sins, or do you think he should live with, with that, live in jail forever, and live and think about it his whole life? Uh, 
Well, I'm just not sure dying for their sins is enough. Like, say, say a mass murderer, he kills yeah. five people, so the state can kill him exactly yeah. one time. So that's not fair. Mm-hmm. And he he gets killed five. He gets killed one time, but he kills five people. They can't kill him five times. And uh, right. you know, doing state administered torture or deaths are probably not a great mm-hmm. idea. So there's really uh there's really yeah. no good solution. I don't really see what the benefit is. Like uh, it's like keep him alive for a long time and uh, guys in prison or just mm-hmm. kill him in prison. It comes to about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that maybe, as well. Maybe um, I like do a have a debate and they they can figure out what they want to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, before we get to the murder, to our, our guys here, um, anything you want to add to this conversation as far as murder or whatever you want to talk about before we get to these uh, two stories here? What I want to add? Oh, uh, not not as of yet. We'll, we'll figure it out, though. Okay. All right, no problem. So let's have you start with your guy. Yeah, sound effects is there actually a, a lot of... Uh, What's that? Was that a sound effect, or was there actually someone driving by you with their uh, thing blaring? No? No. Oh, okay. All right, we are back on the air once again. Uh, let's have you start once again on your uh, story of Ben or say of Ed Ginn. Okay, where where do we leave off at? I think just to start Ed Ginn <laughs> family moving to Plain Plainfield, which is a great okay. great. Great American name for a middle American town. Plainfield, Wisconsin, right out of central casting. It's perfect. Population oh, yeah. about ideal about seven hundred, uh-huh. and uh, let's see. So they all moved there, uh, and the farm. They're on a pretty kind of kind of remote farm, or like on the outskirts of town, I guess, hundred and fifty something acres. So basically, uh, dad's dad is a big drinker. Mom is real into religion, and that's mm. what they say. And so, yeah, trying to, trying to do research on this, I kind of found that I kind of just kept running into the same things over and over and over again. I'm pretty sure most of the things that I came up with in my attempts to do research were people who ran into the exact same thing I did, which is basically just other people who were repeating pretty much the same, you know, 20 or 50 pieces of information over and over and over again. And uh, pretty hard to tell yeah. what's true and what's complete bullshit because uh, this <laughs> is a, a lot of this stuff is just kind of passed into legend uh, largely because mm-hmm. uh, for one thing, as I said, it's uh, inspired so many uh, 
so many film famous film characters. And uh, well, I don't know how how good of records they really kept back then in in Wisconsin. Yeah. So sure. So sort of having like actual Wisconsin police records is kind of just uh, just copying and pasting information that's probably been on the internet since like mid nineties. Yeah. But but just soldiering onward. Uh, what I what I do interpret to probably be true, uh, and what is uh, consistent in every account is that so dad dies from uh, from alcoholism, uh, big brother dies from while well, they're uh, uh, they're what were they they're doing some kind of a burning thing they were not pyro like uh, not. Pyromaniac stuff, just uh, some kind of controlled, oh. controlled, controlled burning, and uh, Big okay. Brother died. You know, a lot of uh, places try to act like uh, you know maybe maybe Ed Gein killed his Big Brother, but there's really no reason to think that that uh, there was any kind of a Cain and Cain thing going on. Uh, just like the you know brother just died because I don't know it was the 1960s. People fueled. People died a lot more easily back then. They didn't have warning labels on everything like they do now. So anyway, right. so it was Eddie's mom, and Ed is supposedly, uh, or his his mom is uh, supposedly very, very religious and very domineering. And see, I don't really know if that's true. I mean, so it might be something like mm-hmm. you know, it could be she's just you know regular religious, like uh, like. Uh, so Ed was brought up basically the same way I was, or many people uh, in my area that went to the same Sunday school I did were brought up. Or she could have been complete psycho-religious. And there's really, yeah. there's no indication one way or the other. Or she, it's possible she wasn't even religious at all, and that just got added into the story. But I'm, I'm going to assume it's, that's accurate, at least. <laughs> that she was a, a, a Christian yeah. lady. But there's no telling just sure. how... Uh, how sad about that she was. But uh, so according to most of these accounts, she's uh, really down on alcoholism and also the hussies. And, hmm. and there's nothing about uh, hussies and her, her late husband or nothing even really implied. But, uh, I mean, that's what that's what I would infer from it, maybe just because of uh, the H.G. Lovecraft thing. But anyway, so... So he, uh, Ed Gein, so he's uh, and uh, he's grown into adulthood at this point, and he's got the his reputation is basically kind of a harmless sort of weirdo. That's pretty much his mm-hmm. reputation. He gives odd jobs around town for people, and uh, that's pretty much his thing. At some point, his mother dies, and mm-hmm. and also apparently his, his mom uh, tried to basically make it so he and his brother, when his brother was alive, had as little contact as possible with other people. So basically oh, when wow. when she died when she died, she was pretty much his only person in the world. Yeah. So that's when things really started going downhill for, for Ed Gein. And his mother yeah. his mother died in uh let's see. Well whenever she died. So we'll skip to yeah. uh, the uh, Edmund is technically a serial killer, but he only killed actually two people. 
not only when we think of serial yeah. killers, he could be able to kill us a few more than that probably. But the, yeah, most of what yeah. he is, uh, most of his crimes involved uh, grave robbing. He was doing that for quite a while, mm-hmm. and this is something that yeah. uh, it's not. Uh, I haven't at least been able to find anything about it. Uh, when he transitioned from just robbing graves to actually killing people to get his uh, oh. materials that he worked with, uh, there's no, there's really yeah. no, nothing, nothing saying when that happened or what caused that to happen. Possibly, mm-hmm. uh, I think. One one source claim says that uh, Ed Dean claimed that the first killing was an accident, and uh, I don't know, maybe that's true. But anyway, accident. <laughs> so the second killing, uh, this uh, woman uh, who ran a hardware store disappeared, and her son came into the hardware store, saw things were in disarray, and apparently immediately thought, hmm. Uh, this has something to do with that weirdo Ed Gein. And cops went to the Gein household, and that was pretty much it. There was no big chase or anything. There was no no real drama. Wow. That was the whole case right there. That was It was all pretty much settled wow. at that point because uh, Ed Gein was out eating dinner with a, a different family, or or he might have actually already been under oh. arrest at this point. The details are kind of yeah. hazy. They, there's really... Yeah. The police procedural stuff is is very vague, but anyway, the, the the crux of it is, so the cops, this woman is missing, and cops go to this Ed, the Ed Gein house, and this is after his mother's been dead for some time, and the place is no. just um, it's a uh, it's a mess. It's no. like uh, what, what do you yeah. let's see? What do you what do you call it? What's that show where people just collect stuff? Just uh, you know, quarters. Hoarding, yeah, right. There's, there's been hoarding going on. It's like a hoarding house. Mm-hmm. So the police are bumbling around. This is like a, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to picture it as a very cinematic thing, like possibly with uh, lightning flashing in the background, but it's dark, and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no lighting. This is a uh, 1950, late 19, 1950s. It, they just got like uh, you know flashlights and lanterns or whatever. So anyway, they're looking for this right. missing woman and they're bumbling around the farmhouse and uh, someone bumps into something and they look up and this this uh, woman who is hanging from the ceiling and is decapitated and basically uh, oh. been dressed out as they say like a like a deer, like a you know yeah. with her her guts emptied out. Mm. So that must have been quite a moment. Oh. So at that point, the cops pretty much know they, they've got they have their they have their man now. Pretty much know he's uh, yeah. he's the guy they're looking for. But as they continue <laughs> to go through this uh, spooky house of his, and then they find all the the uh, pieces and parts of people that are huh. um, oh. arrayed around the place. And this is uh, this is pretty much what Ed Gein is most famous for. So, yeah. and this is apparently this is uh, all true. This is consistent from account to account, but uh, uh, pretty much he just made a lot of stuff. He, he did a lot of grave robbing before his two two actual murders, and he he made stuff with the the parts. So we got uh, yeah. let's see, there's a list here. There's 
bones and fragments, a wastebasket made of human skin, lampshades made of human skin, like a chair covering made of human skin. Skulls, oh, you, skulls used as bowls. Skulls maybe used as bedposts. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, clothing made of human skin, like such as a corset. Basically, the uh, mm-hmm. the inspiration for Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs basically tried to make a, a girl suit made out of real girls. And oh. uh, wow. skin masks, which is, you know, it's basically just trying to wear someone's face over yeah. your face almost. Right. And let's see, a shoebox full of genitalia, just oh. that. And a belt made from wow, yeah, pretty much. And a belt <laughs> made from, uh, with uh, nipples, and mm-hmm. a a collection of noses, some lips, and well, that's, I guess that's that's pretty much it. But anyway, you know, wow. you can yeah. imagine the the police kind of just stumbling upon this stuff, you know, trying to imagine what was mm-hmm. going through their minds. Because they'd never even heard of, they'd never heard of anything like this. No one had at that point. It was all, all yeah. pretty new to everyone. But uh, it would have been more dramatic if, while they were doing that, Ed Gein was still at large and they didn't know where he was. But in fact, he was apparently already oh, in custody yeah. and had him at that point. But uh, still, yeah. quite a moment for everyone involved. For sure. So, yeah, and that was pretty much the. Uh, end of his uh, reign of terror. There's not really any details about uh, uh, why or how he committed the two murders. Well, the two murders were probably just uh, done uh, with uh, with guns. It's uh, nothing nothing sadistic exactly. He just killed them Mm -hmm. and didn't use their body parts for, uh, well, he never got around to the, the second victim. Whatever he was planning on doing with her, he didn't get a chance to to do most of it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as his uh, his goals, <clears throat> there's really not uh, not a lot that he's said about it. He they, they say some people say that uh, he did uh, some necrophilia, and he says. And then someday he said he didn't because uh, the smell was too bad, which uh, makes sense to me. But I would think the sure. smell would be too bad for, for all of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how that works yeah. exactly. But, and that's one, of the, that's one of the things where it's really hard to tell if uh, a lot of people claim definitely that he was a, a necrophile. But I feel like that's something that's probably just exaggerated. People just kind of throw it in there because, uh, hey, with all this other stuff, yeah. why not this thing too? Yeah, but, <clears throat> exactly. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, apparently he uh, would like to wear his uh, kind of female clothing or uh, his clothing made of females and dance under the light of the moon, which sounds a little... A little, too, a little too poetic to be real, in my opinion. Yeah. But maybe, maybe he actually said that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, unsurprisingly, he uh, was found insane, or he was remanded to a huh. psychiatric institution, and eventually they let him stand trial. 
after some time, and at, yeah. at which point he was found to be criminally insane and went right back to the insane asylum and died there in 1984 oh. in, in uh, one of them, some, some insane oh, asylum yeah. in Wisconsin. He, so he stayed there for the 50s to 84, he stayed in that same place in that same asylum for all that time. What now? So he stayed there for like 30 years, or Roughly, yeah, that same place. Yeah, pretty much. He was uh, uh, yep. Because let's see, his uh, house and property were auctioned off in 1958. Let's see, he was caught in. Mm-hmm. He was caught in 1957. So yeah, yeah, about you know, roughly 30 years later. Yeah, roughly. And all that's left over is this um, place blown so, down. His car is still out there somewhere, I think. Oh, really? Wow. Probably out there somewhere. Absolutely. Well, it's old. Um, so you said that, that he only killed two... Two women. You said he killed two people only, two women only. And you were saying there, yeah. there were several um, parts around his house and that was only, only from those two people that, that were confirmed that he killed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the accounts said that uh, they, they found one of these skin masks and the, the police recognized the person that it was, which seems eh, kind of unlikely yeah. to me. I don't know. I don't think it would be recognizable. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's what they said just because it's uh, probably because it's Sounds more scary and dramatic that way, but I mean, I'm sure they were able to confirm yeah. the, the uh, identity of uh, this uh, the first first person he killed, who was uh, Mary Hogan. Okay. Or, no, no, see, um, Bernice Warden was the first person, and then Mary Hogan was the second person okay. he killed. Do you know if they were like teenagers or just? Older women or middle-aged? No, they were women who resembled, women who somewhat resembled his mother. Oh, yeah, I, I did not even uh, get into that. Yeah, all the people, well, for the most part, the people he dug up and these two women he killed uh, resembled his mother to some extent, uh, just as far as, like, uh, age, maybe, and, you know, body type, something like that. Yeah. Basically, yeah, it was de- definitely... Say- that hmm. would you say that he killed them perhaps in rebellion against his mom of closing him out uh, closing him closing him out of the of the outside world for so long um, no i don't i i well assuming that the the accounts that they they set out here are accurate. I don't think he was really the type to try to rebel against his mom too much. No, I think he's probably trying to get get on his mom's good side, really. Okay, gotcha. Enough to add about the murder before we move on to my my guy, close close it out? All right. What's that? Oh, go ahead. The chicken coop murder. Uh, I'll just let you tell it. Go ahead. 
Oh, Seth, if you wanted to add anything extra besides whatever you wanted to ask, I'm going to add on your guy before I move on to uh, to my to my murder. Uh, well, let's see. Well, let's see. The le- the legacy of Ed Gein is uh, he pretty much uh, inspired inspired or partially inspired uh, Norman Bates from Psycho and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family and. Silence of the Lambs, the uh, Buffalo Bill character from Silence of the Lambs partially inspired him. So that's really pretty impressive. Three three okay. generations of uh, horror icons inspired by this uh, well, kind of uh, this Wisconsin farmer. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen this the show before, but uh, Bates Motel. It was uh, five on for five years. It was uh, Norman Bates was the main character on that show and based out of uh, Oregon is pretty pretty horrific awesome stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's also part of him I guess as well because uh, it's a it's a thing off of uh, Psycho I believe as well yeah yeah absolutely my person, I haven't heard of this guy before, but it was very interesting to see. So now this is a, this is all from the credit for it's due. It's from the website called Crime Museum. You'll find a lot of good stuff on that website. Lots of stuff on crime. Anything you want, it's all there. But this one is called the Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. Murders. So. In the year was 1928, Southern California was booming. Agriculture and the movie industry had transformed this area into a lively metropolis. However, a, a string of child abductions and murders in the small town of Wineville changed the views of the city. A man named Gordon Stewart Northcutt kidnapped, sexually abused, and murdered at least three and possibly as many as 20 young boys. It is believed that he had to help his mother and his Canadian nephew to commit these crimes. Now, on March 10, 1928, Walter Collins disappeared. This nine-year-old boy was the last seen around 5 p.m. by by neighbors the corner of Pasadena Avenue and North Avenue 23 in Lincoln Heights, Los Angeles. His mother, Christine Collins, gave him some money to go see a movie at a nearby theater. His father was in Folsom State Prison for robbery. So, as you can tell, this, this family is not are not the nicest people in, that you would come across. Would you agree on that? Robbery, uh, crime family is not not a good start right here. Yeah, not promising. Rough beginnings. Yeah, it's not promising. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So the Los Angeles Police Department was already under investigation for several corruption scandals. Who knew? This was way back in the day, um, before it all got bad in the 90s. But, (laughs) and the inability to locate Walter Collins was rather embarrassing. The police chief, James Davis, was under a lot of the police looked along Lincoln Park Lake but were unable to find anything. Collins' father thought former prison inmates were responsible for his son's disappearance in an attempt to get revenge, quote, revenge. He worked at the prison's cafeteria and was responsible for reporting 
other inmates infractions. With this sort of job, it is possible that he made more than a few enemies. Now, several tips came in, but nothing turned out to be very useful. A gas station attendant in Glendale, Richard, Richard, Richard Strothers, reported seeing a dead boy wrapped in a newspaper in the back of a car when a foreign couple stopped to ask for directions. A man named C.B. Staley followed the couple. When they left the gas station, the couple stopped for a few moments in front of the police station and then spent at a t- sped at, sped out of town, um, losing Staley. When the police showed Struthers and State, ba- and State Walter and Staley Walter Collins' photo, they both said he was the boy in the back of the car. Other tips came in about a couple traveling across the state, the boy who was begging them to let him go. So at this point, what, what are your thoughts on this so far, on the saga as we speak at this point? So they came, across, they came across this kid, and the kid was begging to be let go in the back of the car? Yes. Yeah, so basically um, someone – Someone said they saw this dead ki- dead kid in the paper in the paper, but now people are. Then someone else said they saw this kid pleading for his life, but nobody did anything, did anything about it. Boy, times were different back then. Now that nowadays, if you even leave a dog in the back of a car, someone's going to break the window out and get it out. Yep. Uh, yep. 1920s, That's huh? Yeah. L.A. 1920s, yeah. Um, sad, sad times. Less. It's easier to get. It's easier to, to get away with a crime back in the olden days, like really old, because you had less, you know, less cops, less security. You know, it was easy to yeah. get, get around with stuff back back then. Um, but moving on to our story, um, Walter's disappearance wasn't the only one around this, this, at this time. Nelson and Lewis Winslow, ten and twelve years old at the time, were missing on their way home to Panoma on May 16, 1928. The parents received strange letters from them. The first said they were heading to Mexico, and the second one said they planned to stay missing, missing along as they, um, as, they can go in, as, as they can to become famous. The police didn't connect the, these two disappearances together at first. They also didn't find a connection between these cases and the headless body of a Latino boy found in La Puente in February, hmm. and hmm. <laughs> it gets worse, man. It gets worse. Um, and uh, with none of these connections made, a neighbor's complaint about a man mistreating a boy at his poultry farm didn't appear to be relevant either. Oh, here we go. In hmm. August 1928, um, Illinois police, Illinois, not LA, but Illinois uh, police picked up a boy who told them his name was Arthur Kent. At first, he would say only that his father abandoned him. So they placed him with a temporary family. Eventually, he told them his real name was, you guessed it, Walter Collins from Los Angeles, and that he had been avoiding their questions to protect his father. Your thoughts on that twist at the moment? Well, I'm not sure if I followed it entirely. So this kid resurfaced just kind of randomly, but he was kind of colorful. Yeah. Yeah. He, got the, he got the Stockholm 
Stockholm syndrome? Is that what happened? His father's in jail, and he's yeah covering for his father basically. Yeah. Okay. All right, but now he's with his other family. As of temporarily, yeah, temporarily. Yeah. All right. What happened? What happened next? Yep. Illinois police contacted um, California police, sent photographs of the boy, and later sent him to Los Angeles, California. Authorities contacted Christine Collins and showed her the photos of her son, of her, of her quote, son. She immediately said that he was not her son. However, Captain J.J. Jones talked her into trying trying out the boy for a while. Oh, boy. This should be interesting. Um, oh, this weeks, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Three weeks after their reunion, quote, reunion, Christine Collins brought the boy back to the police station. She brought with, with her Walter's dental records and signed statements from people who knew Walter, saying this that boy was not him. Captain Jones called her a lunatic and claimed she was trying to get the state to take care of her child and believed she was just trying to embarrass the police department. He threw her into a psychiatric ward in Los Angeles County General Hospital on a Code 12, which allowed police to get Rid of troublesome but by throwing them into a psychiatric hospital. Yep. Those are the days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy story. Um, in September 1920. What's that? Uh, they'd probably still do that if they could. I wonder when they got rid of that little. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that particular. Uh, oh, anyway. Yeah, these days are different for sure. But uh, in September 1928, a Canadian woman named Winfred Clark contacted U.S. authorities to tell them that her nephew had kidnapped, um, had kidnapped and was holding her son. Sanford Wellesley Clark in California, Jesse Clark, was worried about her 15-year-old brother since he left two years prior with her uncle, Gordon Stewart Northcott. He's back who was only 21 at the time, Jesse decided to go to Northcott's ranch in Wineville, California. To check on things in the few days she stayed, she found out her uncle was abusing her brother and was involved in something very strange. Her uncle even attacked her, too. Um, On September 15, 1928, Sanford told investigators that his uncle kidnapped him and physically and sexually abused him. He also said Northcutt had forced him to watch the abuse and murders of Walter Collins, Nelson, and Lewis Winslow, and other boys. Sometimes he even made him participate in these acts. Northcutt abducted boys to rape them, and when he got bored, he would lead them into the incubator room to see hatching chicks, and kill them with an axe. To destroy the evidence, Northcutt covered their bodies in quick lime. Now, Sanford also said Northcutt had killed a Latino boy in La Puente. 
They both killed Walter Collins because the boy had seen Northcutt help another man kill his mining partner. Sanford told the police that they could find graves near the chicken coop for the Winslow brothers and Walter Collins. Two graves were found, but the full bodies were not there. Only pieces of bone, axes found, among other farm equipment, had human hair and blood on them. Several bones were scattered across the ranch, with pathologists later determined to be from male children. Inside the house, a book checked out to one of the Winslow boys was found also more letters to their parents were written, a child's whistle, and several Boy Scout badges were found. Nothing that could be directly attributed to Walter Collins was found. As you can tell, almost at the end of the story, but um, what I said earlier about all these all these missing boys, they all ended up, ended up over at his ranch in Wineville, California. How ironic! Oh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, at some, at some point, but, uh, yeah, it became, I realized uh, where I heard the story before, it's uh, the Changeling, they made a yeah, movie about yeah. this. Yep, Changeling, that, that's correct. Yeah, Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, that's also a great movie. Um, and then uh, Northcutt's father, Cyrus George Northcutt, told police two days later that his son had admitted the murders to him. But by that time, Northcutt and his mother, Louise Northcutt, had left town. The Los Angeles Police Department initially continued to insist that Christine Collins had her son. They only disconnect this. this yeah. They uh, only discontinued this belief when a handwriting expert came in to analyze the writing styles. The expert well, that's what it that did. this. What's that? Oh, that's 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 what it took, the handwriting expert. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then included the, the boy's handwriting was definitely not a match to the samples collected from previous years. The strange R's the boys used were commonly taught in Illinois, but not found in California. Um the boys eventually told the truth. He admitted several other aliases as well. He said he had decided to try and pass off as Walter Collins when someone has mentioned he looked like the missing boy. Arthur Hutchins, 12-year-old, had assumed Collins' identity in an attempt to go Hollywood to meet his cowboy hero, Tom Mix. His stepmother picked him up in Los Angeles and took him back to their Illinois home. He didn't appear to have any remorse for his actions and said Christine Collins must have known he wasn't her son. So it was just a big game for them both. Shortly after Arthur Hutchins went home, Christine Collins was released from the institution. Um, On September 20th, 1928, Gordon Stewart Northcutt was arrested in British Columbia, Canada. They arrested his mother, Sarah Louise Northcutt, in Alberta, Canada. In December, the police took Northcutt back to his ranch in an attempt to get more information. While there, he verbally confessed to five murders, including the Winslow brothers, Walter Collins, a Mexican boy named um, Alvin Garcia. However, later that day, Northcutt only admitted one homicide in a written confession 
and that was the murder of Alvin Garcia. Also in December, Northcutt's mother confessed to the murder of Walter Collins. She said she delivered the final blow to the boy and then buried him in a hole near the chicken coop. Sanford Clark said his grandmother had told them that if they each hit the boy, then they will be equally guilty of if caught. Sarah Louise mm-hmm. Northcutt was, was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Walter Collins. Now, almost finished here. I think um, Gordon Stewart Northcutt trial began in January 1929. Northcutt fi- fired several defense attorneys and proceeded to defend himself. He admitted to abusing bo- young boys because he loved them. He even had his mother testify for him. She claimed she was actually his grandmother because her husband had raped her daughter, Winfred, and Northcutt was Winfred's son. Northcutt also claimed to have an incestuous relationship with Sarah Louise and that his father had molested him. Northcutt's defense was rather odd, and it was obvious that he was no lawyer along with the strange defense. <laughs> Sarah Louise didn't prove to be a very credible witness, since the only, conf- the only continuous statement she made was that she would do anything for Gordon. On February 9, 8, 1929, 20, an all-male jury convicted Northcutt for all first-degree murder murders of the Winslow brothers and anonymous victim Judge George R. Freeman to, to death. Although he was convicted and sentenced to death, the families of his victims didn't have closure due to the in, in, inability to find intact bodies. Northcutt was hanged October 2nd, 1930. Shortly after his execution, the Wineville Chicken Coop murders were finally put to rest after the citizens decided to change the town's name changed it to Myra Loma, which means view from the hill. In Spanish, the na- this name change helped the town to dissociate from the horrific acts at the poultry farm. And lastly, as you were saying earlier, um, you were, the hordes of the Wineville Chicken Coop murders were introduced again in 2008 when the Clint Eastwood film Changeling was released. The story reflects Christine Collins' attempts to recover her son, Walter. Changeling showed Christine Collins' perseverance to overcome the unjust law enforcement system and to learn the truth about her son. Your thoughts on that whole story? Well, holy shit. Yeah, I remember it was quite a... I remember watching the movie. It was quite a uh, alarming and disturbing... Uh, twist uh, that it became like this yeah. uh, big Canadian serial killer story. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was uh, pretty pretty disturbing stuff. I, I don't remember the movie very well, but I remember I remember that yeah. that much of it. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of amazing the police. Uh, it's just I don't know, I guess this was before like photographs were a big thing, except it wasn't because this wasn't that long ago. But it's like I, right. I, I get this kid apparently looks like the other kid, but he couldn't have looked that much like the other kid. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. It's like you know, telling the mother's like, "No, this is your son." Mom's like, "No, it's not. 
it looks kind of like him, but it's not. It's like, no, it is your son. Like, dude, yeah. what are you talking about? And then the you cops are supposed to go up there, like, insisting upon it. It's like, I mean, yeah. Back before, they had DNA evidence. They can do DNA tests way back before that. Yeah, but, I mean, it seems like there would be, like, you know, many, 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 many ways to identify that uh, the kid is not who he says he is. Like, the fact that he doesn't have any memories <laughs> that the other kid would have, mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's see. And as I recall, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the method of the murder was pretty... It was pretty nasty. Like, what was it exactly? How, how did they kill him? Kill a bunch of kids. Oh, uh, with an axe. With an axe? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good choice. And yeah, I find the, I find, yeah, the kid, the kid is just playing along with the whole thing. That I find especially creepy. Yeah. I mean, usually, you know, it's an adult. Yeah. Murders. That's, that's kind of the standard for what we're talking about here. But usually you don't, you don't have a little kid that's just going along with the whole thing just for its own amusement. Well, I'm pretty sure, in my opinion anyway, I think probably had no choice because if he didn't, he'd probably be dead, you know? That's just my my thought on that. Mm. I suppose so. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean he'd be pretty much out of the out of the the madman's clutches. You know, with mm-hmm. the with uh with this this woman. Yeah, it's very complicated and, and very bizarre the whole thing. Just very strange. It's yeah. just the, the idea of trying to pass off this kid as her son when it's must have been pretty obvious that, yeah. to her that it's not. And anyone who who'd met the the boy before. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious how he got those kids to come to his ranch. I'm just curious how he got them to come there. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because, like, mm-hmm. a simpler time back then, you know, like, maybe it's like, oh, we're nice guy, come out to the ranch, we'll show you around. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, anyways, uh, this was a good a good first podcast on uh, murders and serial killers, and it was very fun. And hopefully we'll get you on again soon for another round of this uh, soiree. Oh sure, sure. And there's one there's one more thing about Ed Gein that I forgot to mention. Sure. I should have mentioned yeah. this in the wrap up before. Yeah, go so, ahead. So in the course of my attempt to do research, like I said, I just kinda ran into the same thing over and over and over again. But I did find in the good old Wikipedia entry something that uh, basically is like the uh the uh Rosetta Stone for Ed Gein. That something I've never heard of before. But apparently Errol Morris, that's he's a sort of famous documentary filmmaker. He made the Thin Blue Line and, and some others. Apparently, before he made the Thin Blue Line and got famous, he interviewed Gene a couple times. And oh, really? those interviews are, as far as I know, not available to anyone. But, I mean, as far mm-hmm. as, like, going to learn about who Ed Gene was and what his motivations were and what was going on in his head... That's probably the best anyone was going to do. And so I guess Errol Morris maybe has those uh, tapes somewhere. And I don't know. Maybe they're around. That's, so that's pretty much it. Because besides that, I think we're, we're just kind of stuck with, uh, you know, the same 20 or 50 pieces of information around the Internet. Yeah. 
Yep, absolutely. And I want to thank you again for coming on today. It was a good time, although we had a little uh, app issue earlier, but that got cleaned out. Um, thank you. And I would want, absolutely. And others, people on my podcast, I'm doing another podcast tonight with Scott Lewis, talking about the Cougars' victory over the Nevada Nevada Wolfpack over the weekend, and preview USC coming up this Friday night over in Pullman at 7 o'clock tonight. Until then, we'll talk to you later on, and God bless, and good evening. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. I'm not sure what happened there, but the call did disconnect. But go ahead. Okay. I was going to say before the call drops, go ahead. Look at the Kings. All right. We're connected. We're connected now. Yep. Yes, All right. Yeah. All right. Where are we at now? Um, it's up. It's all you. Okay. So <laughs> we're gonna do my guy, Ed Gein. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, I started off with the 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 most most classic probably, along the American serial killers, and uh, let's see. As I said before, first came to my attention reading a book about the movie Psycho. So, Ed Gein, uh, Edward Theodore Gein, born August 27, 1906, in Wisconsin, pretty much never left Wisconsin, uh, had a uh, mom and dad and older brother, and they moved to, let's see, Plainsfield, Wisconsin, in uh Let's see, early in his life, and a big, big old 